Appreciate y'all tuning in to another episode of the Blizz is Ignorant podcast. Um, I have switched it up completely this week, man. Typically, I'm on here. I'm going back and forth. I usually bring on my comedian friends. But you know what? Uh, I got to switch it up. And uh, I got to take this back to my humble beginnings. And what I have with me today is one of my good friends from childhood that we probably haven't seen each other in 20 plus years. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe thirty. <laughs> um, this 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 is a uh, this is a musical uh, genius, man. Uh, rock jazz legend, a creator, uh, Elu. Eric okay. from Camden, New Jersey, man. What's up, Elu? Man, man, all is well. All is well. Much love, my my, my main man, Jay Bliss. No Come doubt. On, no doubt. So, so we don't know each other from our stage names. We grew up across the street from one another on uh, Barrett Boulevard uh, back in the day. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember our earliest, because it's hard to go back and remember exactly how things go down. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I remember our fifth grade class. I remember us being in Miss Penis class together. I do yep. remember that. Yeah. I'm trying to remember we was in kindergarten and first and second grade together, but I, I just remember us living across the street from one another. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm not exactly sure we did that many classes together. I mean, I guess I, I, I remember I remember Miss Penick's class. I really don't super remember you in there, but I guess right. I would have to think about it because I remember like. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why I do remember because you know I came back in fifth grade because I left. Maybe that's what it. Maybe yeah, that's I left. It, it I left in third grade. Okay. And then I came back. You know, we had moved to Willingboro, and then my mom moved back to Camden in fifth. I did fifth and sixth in Camden. I so see. Fifth grade, I came in, and I know school had already started. Mm-hmm. And I came in, and and Miss Pennick was like, "You gonna sit where well, your sister used to sit? My older sister mm-hmm. used to sit." And mm-hmm. I remember coming in. I remember seeing you, and I'm like, "Oh, I, at least I know, I know Eric, I know Ricky." You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, "You know yep. what I'm saying? I know him." Yep. Yep. And, yep. and I remember uh, George. George Hegeman was in our class. Yes, Hegeman. Yep. Uh, Darnella Kenton. I mean, the Tunza, whole crew. Tunza Wallace was in our class. That's how I remember yeah. me and Tunza. And we still, and we still best friends right now. Me and Tunza still best friends. Yeah, so, Tunza was watching my my pod, my uh, live stream the other day, and, my, and Ty Uzma jumped on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then see, yeah. and then let's see, because Ta'u, Ta'u lived around the corner on Bellevue. Exactly. And, yeah. and so like it was like a whole thing. So let's 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 talk about like and for people that don't know, like we 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 talk all the time and I see your live streams. Um and now you always mention Camden, and I'm like, people just don't know. Like people hear Camden and they hear, think bad, right? Right. They think uh, crime, they think murder, they think drugs, they think all the bad things, but for sure. us as kids, it wasn't that. Like, it wasn't that. Like, it wasn't... It was It was, It was. was fun. Like, I, I remember I remember coming over your house because you would, I mean, directly across the street. Like, it was like mm-hmm. literally walk, look both ways on that on that two-lane road, which cars sped past going to that light every day. It's yeah. like, look both ways, run across the street, and you can go over there and play for a little while. Because I still yeah. remember... Uh, I could see you on the porch. Like you could sit on that in- enclosed porch y'all had. Yep. And I should be like, yo, Ma, can I go across the street? And I'd be yelling across the street like, yo, can you have company? And you- <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. You- I remember you yelling at your mom like, Ma, can, can Justin come over? And then she'd be like, I don't care. You know, so like, <laughs> like 
<laughs> so it was like it was like those days. I remember I remember fifth grade. I remember us going to New York and have that field trip to New York City. Mm. Um, and going to New York, New York City for the first time. Well, for me, going for the New York City for the first time. Mm-hmm. And 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 you being who you are today, uh, the musician that you are, um, uh, I saw it coming. I mean. Your mother was a disciplinarian when it came to you practicing, dude. Like, you had to practice. I remember that. I remember wanting to go over there and play with you or wanting to go over there and, and just bug out. And, and, and your mom was like, he practiced and he got another 30 minutes to go and then he can, then he can play. And I just right. remember, like, the routine. But you were so dope at that age. Like, and even at that age, you were playing, like, Beethoven and yep. the classics. Yep. And it That's was right. like you had the piano downstairs, you had the one up in the attic. And it was just yep. like, dude, it was just like, yo, you just went at. It. I remember our, like our fifth grade graduation, you played a piece. You played a couple pieces. You mm. know what I mean? It's like, you know, and like you probably like, I don't remember none of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's like those things are yeah. great in your mind because when you say, you know, he's a he's a musician now, like that's what he does for a living. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's what I like, that's what he did. You know what I mean? So right. It was, it was a good thing, man. So, so tell me about, um, tell me about your high school years. Like you were in, were you in Philly or were you in Camden? Neither. I ended up going to Overbrook in Lindenwald, Pine Hill. So okay. Okay. What happened? So what happened was there was that big shootout during Thanksgiving at the Woodrow Wilson Cannon High game. The turkey game, yeah, turkey bowl. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so my mom was traumatized off of that. And so then we went out to Chicago for a year. That was when I was in second grade. Right. And then, because my mother, for your listeners, was the band director of Camden High School. Absolutely. And so then when she came back, essentially, they wouldn't give her her job back. Mm-hmm. And so... She ended up getting a job teaching emotionally disturbed and socially maladjusted kids in Lindenwall in the suburbs in Pine Hill area. Okay. It was called the Overbrook Annex. She was teaching music down there. And then eventually she started teaching band at Edgewood. That's out there in like Sickleville area. Yeah. Deep suburban New Jersey, so it's like forty miles away. Right now, I went to Hatch for sixth grade with Mr. Kites, and then after that, I think I might have gotten into a fight or a couple of them, or some kind of thing was kind of starting to get into that type of zone. And so then my mom decided that she wanted me to go to school for high school out there. Right. So, but obviously she didn't want me to go to the same school she taught at. She was graceful enough to, you know, let me have some autonomy in that space. But basically we ended up using a fake address of one of her friends, teacher colleagues, so that nobody knew that I was living in Camden, but going to school 40 miles outside of the district. Right, 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 right. So that was big because that was the first time that I was ever around white people. Like, for real, for real. So that was high school. It was your first time. 
Yeah, was well, so junior high. Well, ju- junior high. Junior high. So let's let's so, talk about that for a minute because I had a similar situation. You know, we from Camden, so right. when my when my mom moved us to Willingboro, first time I was around white people. First time I went to school with white people. You know what I'm saying? So right. it was a it was an adjustment. Now to get that later, right. to get that later, it's a little bit more deep. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. it, it was. A, I'll, I'll never forget. Like one of the funniest things that happened. I remember there was a class called social studies and this was seventh grade. And I was one of, I think maybe three black kids in this classroom. Yeah. And the teacher announced that class is getting dismissed early because of some sort of holiday or some kind of thing. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> and nobody said shit in the classroom. And then the one black kid who had been going to school out there the whole time, he had braces on. He looked at me with like a grin because he understood the situation. <laughs> but he understood that I did not know that it's a different thing. You know, this is in Camden. So nobody knows about how to, nobody knows. So, so you yelling out, ho, they didn't know what you was talking about. They probably thought you was talking about the teacher. The, the, the teacher stopped. Everybody stopped. They, they were all looking at me like I was from Mars. That was a shocking experience because in Miss Pennick's class, and you know, in Camden, right. something like that happens. We're all like, ho. And like, oh. Right, right, right. And the whole class erupts, ho. Oh. Out there, I was like, oh, and I looked around, and it was crickets. Except for this one black kid who was looking at me with his braces shining, smiling, because he didn't say, oh, either, but he just knew. He was like, oh, man. You don't even know. Okay. Oh, man. It was like the Matrix or something. You know oh, man. You out of your element. That's funny, man. That's hilarious, yeah. man. That's that funny that was, as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, uh, so you went to school out on Lindenwall, and that's that's crazy because um, you know I had family that lived out in that area too. You know I had cousins that lived in Somerdale, and people had moved out of Camden and started moving towards Lindenwald and you know uh, those areas down there. And I had moved up to Willingboro, so we were getting out of Camden. You was getting out too, but you were going to school in a different place. But you primarily stayed in Camden. Um, well, the thing was that mine was like just like a bungee cord because I would wake up crazy early in the morning mm-hmm. to try to get out there because my mom had to wake up early, you know, because we were traveling 40 miles as opposed to walking around the block or something. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I had to wake up super early. It was night out when I was on my way to school. Yeah. And then when I would come home, sometimes it would be just like, you know, 20 minutes. And then I would have to go to Philadelphia yeah. To take classical piano lessons because, you know, as I got more advanced. Right. They stopped teaching me at home and, and I got a scholarship to go to this place called Settlement Music School uh-huh. in Philly. Right. To start getting more advanced lessons. Right. And so more and more the schedule started to get packed because I'm bungee cording way out 40 minutes, 40 miles that is, out yeah. to get to school then all the way long drive back and then 
drive to Philadelphia, do a lesson, drive back to Camden, and then, okay, finally, I'm home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And don't get detention. Because then that's a whole other thing. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? So, so let me let me ask you this. Um, at what age, like, because like I said, I mean, to me, I know your mother, the music background that your mother had, you getting into the piano. Um, did you always know that you were just going to be a musician? Or was it something you just felt like, hey, I got a talent at this, but I really want to do something different? I mean, it's really fun talking about this with you because you were literally right there. And I suppose historians eventually will look back on this or some student right. of music who's trying to figure out my secrets will dig this up the same way I've dug up interviews with jazz grades, et cetera, et cetera. So right. to answer your question, you know, I didn't always know simply because I didn't know to know, you know, as a kid, you're not thinking about, more mature topics you know your brain and mind and stuff has to mature for you to even start to think about those type of topics so you know i would say when i got 16 uh -huh. what crystallized it for me was money there was a restaurant that was run by the polish mafia out in philly mm -hmm. And at that time, I was getting pretty advanced in classical and also jazz, or advanced in classical and getting competent in jazz. Uh -huh. And there was a New Year's Eve event at this place that I was always doing, like this cabaret show at. Right. I wasn't running it, but I was the piano player for it. But the owner of the spot, the boss, asked me if I wanted to throw the New Year's party because the regular guy couldn't do it or some kind of thing. Maybe he got another gig. Right. So I said, yeah. And I got all my good buddies to play with me. And so, you know, my mom would take me there back and forth and all that. And it was funny because, you know, there'd be showgirls around. I was still kind of like waking up to that whole thing. And <laughs> my mom was driving. It was, it was a trip. But either way, at the end of the night, I got $1,000. I wow. took home $1,000. Wow. That was the first time I made that kind of money. And the thing was, I had so much fun right. that night playing. Right. It was so much fun. Right. We had so much fun, and the musical high was crazy. It was my buddies, and, you know, we're kids trying to play. You know, we're trying to sound good, but for us, we're putting our whole heart into it, and even when we happen to hit a really good note, we're excited. It's like, oh, man, that's bad. Right, you know? right. So we're doing that all night, unfettered the stage is moving around and, and all this kind of stuff. And then at the end of the night, I got a thousand dollars. So that crystallized it for me that, man, I could get this kind of money for having fun. Yeah. Doing something that I am trained for and working towards and all that stuff. And it's connected to black history because it's jazz. So yeah. for me, that crystallized, I never forgot that moment. That's 
when I realized, okay, I'm willing to take the leap and put all my eggs in this basket and go for it. Because I think that in the risk versus reward analysis, I got some good shots here. So I felt that twinge in my gut. I still feel it when I think about it, that scared little twinge in your gut when you decide to step out on that tightrope and then you put, the, you put the other foot on the tightrope and now you are on the tightrope. Yeah. And you know that, you know, we, we, we similar, you know, with comedy, like I would have never thought I would tell jokes, like telling jokes, bro. Like really you want to do that? You know what I mean? It's like, right. Right. But then you say the high, like the high of getting on stage and controlling the audience. Right. Like, sure. I, it takes me a long time to come down off a high after I perform. Like, yeah. literally, I'm floating. No matter how big yeah. the show, how small the show, I'm floating. Mm -hmm. And I, I, over the years, I've learned how to calm myself down. Like, cigars right. help me calm down. Um, and I just, I got to get into a different space. Because if I just leave stage and leave and don't do anything, like, I won't go to bed until 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> so, so, I know. Yeah, so I know all about four. I, right, right. <laughs> so, so I mean, it, it's weird because you know social media brings us back into these things. I always knew what you were doing, and I was able to follow a little bit of what you was doing before the so, social media thing hit. I remember yeah. you performing one time at the um, Woolenboro Jazz Festival. Yeah, where you were performing, and we were in the back of the stage, and I was just trying to get your attention for like two or three minutes because you was about to go on or whatever. And then like we saw, we connected eyes, and we just gave like a, a what's up real quick or whatever. And it was like, and you, I remember it was hot out. You had a suit on, I'm like that dude had a suit. You know what I mean? But I mean, I mean, we went out there, we just watched the set, um, and that was like right shortly after that, I think. And I'm trying to remember when that was. I don't know if I was in school. I don't know if I was in college and I came back, or if I was still. In high school, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm mixing up where. Well, the, where I'm thinking about. The, I know that when I was in high school, my senior year, mm -hmm. that was the first time that I ever joined jazz band. Because by the time I was about to graduate, I did not want to be around these corny mofo's that were, you know, <laughs> not even trying to be professional musicians. You know, they're just going, going ahead and, you know, whatever. Right. Um. To my surprise, one of them, one or two of them, you know, went on with it, but. Not to my surprise, most everybody else didn't. Right. So, however, because of this little conspiracy, I was end up, I ended up being forced to join the high school jazz band right. to help them out. And right. we like, and, and when I joined it, we won everything. We won the state championship. We won all this stuff. And so that's when I think we might have gone to the Willingboro Jazz. Yeah. That might have been one of the trophies we got. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, that I just remember. I just remember seeing, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I, know him. Like, I went to school with him. You know what I mean? It was like, watch him. You know, I went to school with him. And I, I, I know I see, like, videos and stuff like that. And my kids, so I was like, yo, we went to uh, elementary school together. And they're like, really? Like, yeah. You know, so it's like like one of those things. And, um, and so it's like. I want to tell you, I want to, I want to tell you, I want, I'm dying to, uh, and I don't like to use that word, but I'm, <laughs> I, I can't, I'm like, you know, jumping out of my skin to tell you this. Uh-huh. Maybe you can integrate it into a joke or something like that. But there's two memories. There's actually three. Uh -huh. but there's um, two crazy moments that you and I had as kids that I never forgot. 
I got some for you too. So let's go ahead and trade these stories real quick. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Now there's one. There's I want to tell you one that you couldn't possibly know mm -hmm. because I wasn't like I could see it from across the street. Yeah. And you couldn't see it. And here's what was happening. Okay. So you and I grew up during the beginnings of hip hop and all that stuff. We I know what up, you're about to say, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we grew up with like break dancing and all that stuff happening when the whole thing. And so at one point you were breaking. You were, yes. you were always you was trying to break. Yeah. And so then I mean we all were, but that's yes. pop popping and breaking. And so watching Beat Street and Crush Group, all the stuff. Yes. Um and so you had the cardboard yes. that you would put out on the street and you'd be practicing. Yes. I remember one time that you had done like I think a backspin, or maybe you were trying to do a windmill, but either way, it doesn't matter. Or you might have even done a, a, a suicide move, but either way, <laughs> you were on your back. Yeah, and you were finishing off the move, uh -huh. and you had both of your hands on your nuts, and <laughs> both of your legs were up in the air, spread eagle, and shaking. And you had like big white Nike sneakers on. You know what I'm saying? And like there was this older lady that was in a stop at a, at a traffic in traffic and she was looking at you while you were like shaking your legs wide open, hands off on your nuts. Oh man. It was funny, but you was you was it was you were in mode though. You were you were in break mode. Yes. But it was just like generational gap. Yeah, like the, so the lady had no idea what that was, but it's I mean, funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I remember mm -hmm. that. But think about think about where we lived and how much traffic came past that 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 street. Right. Um. And we, I was breaking because you wanted people to see, like you wanted to be able to show what you could do, or. Right. You know those type of things, and 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 I remember that because I just had the conversation with my daughters. We were listening to some old school hip hop, and I was telling them about break dancing, and we started, and we would dance on cardboard, and they're like cardboard, and I go, yeah, so you can spin on your back and do all these different moves and up rock, and they were like, what's that? <laughs> videos and stuff, and they were just trying to get it, but yes, I do remember that. <laughs> right. All right. And then and then the other one, the other one was a, a crazy one. Because, you know, I used to, like, I still do. I just don't mess with it that much. But I, I still do, like, martial arts and stuff like that. Yeah. And so then one time, we were up in my room playing, and we were trying out, like, different moves. And you remember this? You remember this crazy one, right? <laughs> that was the first time that ever happened. Yeah, well, I, I, I got, you knocked me out, basically, with a, um, right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got in trouble for that one, too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I'll never forget when I woke up. Uh, you were you you were sitting above me with your feet dangling and looking at me. You had this look on your face of like <laughs> I'll never forget that look because you were like, "Did I just kill this boy?" You know, it, it was hilarious. You know what I'm saying? I'm, these are just those memories that you don't forget. 
You got to remember, you know, I got a twin sister, so, you know, we did moves like that, and I knocked her out a couple of times. It was like, I'm going to kick my mother. I'm going to kick your ass. Next time you put your feet on somebody, I'm going to kick your ass, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, one of those type things. I remember that. I do remember that. That one, I remember very little. I probably tried to block that one out of my memory. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was scary, but, but 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 this is hilarious though. You should integrate that because just the I, I didn't know that you knocked your sister out. <laughs> yeah, well, well I didn't knock part. her out. I didn't knock her out. There was a situation where we were outside playing, and um, she was uh, standing behind me, and I didn't see her. And then they were like, uh, "Your sister's behind you. Watch out!" And I was like, "Get out of the way!" And she was like, "No!" And I threw the ball up, and I swung the bag, oh. the ball, and then the follow through hit her in her head, and she busted oh. her eyebrow and had to get stitches. Oh. And I was oh. like. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so there's something in there because in, in, in our case, you you know, we, we were like, okay, let's see if we can get out of this, escape this move. Right. And so we were back to back and you put the sock behind your back across my neck. And I was like, okay, let me see if I can <laughs> get out of try, try a move. So I decided to hold my breath to see if I could like focus my head. As soon as I held <laughs> my breath, I cut it all off. Cut off, the circulation off. off. Yeah. It, it was crazy. But, yeah. um, you know, we had the thing about it, though. The thing about it, man. You know, it just you know, I was so happy to see that you um taken on this particular artistic role and you know pro pro progressed in this space. And just that, man, we had you were definitely one of the special friendships I had. You know, because most of my life was kind of kind of locked down practicing. So absolutely, it was really special to have a buddy, man. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, man, and I, I, and like I say, I, I remember, and I'm gonna tell you the stories that 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 stick with me. Um, that get me like good memories, and it's it's not hard to remember things that that stick with you because we've been through so much. I mean, we're in our forties, and right. our lives have gone through so many different things. But it's little moments that you can remember. One thing I remember: you got me into comic books. So I remember coming over your house, and you had you introduced me to X Men, and mm -hmm. I was like, you know, you. Explaining everything to me. I got in the comic books. I remember I, I liked Iron Man. I used to buy Iron Man. I mm. bought um, X-Men and I bought um, the Wolverine series when it first came out. Right. I remember liking Moon Knight when nobody else did. I remember, <laughs> I remember right. certain things. But I remember us going to Pinsock and Mart. Your mom would take us to Pinsock and Mart on the weekends. Mm. And um, we, were, we were able to buy comics. My mom would give me money. We were able to buy comics. And you bought series that I didn't. And I bought the series that you didn't. And we would switch. Oh, like, okay. we read them. And then I'm like, I'm going to bring this back when I get done reading it. And I remember us going back and forth with those. And I remember keeping up. And I remember us talking when we were that young about how cool it would be if they made a live movie about this. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, and when, now when it's here we, right now it's here and I remember when the first when they first said they was coming out with an X-Men movie I was like man I wonder what I wonder what Rick is doing man like, like you know what I'm saying because it was like those were those memories when we were just like man I wish wish they had this movie you know what I mean so that I mean, a memory all through that time I was secretly trying to be a superhero I had like all kinds of inventions I was creating and coming <laughs> up with <laughs> and like stuff, I was going. I was like, the hardest thing. I was like, man, how do I knock somebody out without killing them? You know, like that was my whole invention right. block. I was like trying to figure that out. But right, right. I, I had all kind of visions of trying to figure out 
kind of, you know, I would create something that I could create like some kind of suction cup or some kind of grip so I could jump from building to building and like, <laughs> all kind of craziness. You get arrested you know quick and damn doing that. And then so, yes. so, all right, so I do, and then you, you had all the uh, Star Wars figure, action figures too. That was always yes. cool too, coming over, you had all the yeah. toys and stuff. It was hard for me to get all that kind of stuff because I had a twin sister and it was like, yo, right. I split the difference. Y'all ain't getting everything. Right. You know what I mean? Right, so, right, right. Another thing I got to tell you that, you that you did that this is, this is a memory. You put me on to dry ramen noodles. Like the ramen oh, noodles, yeah. making the ramen noodles without the, like when you make Water. it, you don't have any broth left. Like, and I was like, I remember we was at your house and you was like, yo, you want some ramen noodles? Like, yeah, I'm going to make some. So you had made yours, and I'm like, "What you doing?" I was like, "Why are you drain all the water out of it?" He's like, "I don't, I don't eat mine with, with broth." I'm like, "What?" Like, <laughs> you were like, "Try it." And I was like, "All right." So I made mine the same way. Since then, it's the same. It's the same way I eat, I ate them for the rest of the time. I ate them like <laughs> I drained all the water out of it. Like it was no water, just straight uh, season packet and noodle. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, I remember that. Was deep. That was deep. Yeah, that was the move, man. That was the real ghetto, ghetto. Uh, uh, yeah, but think about like, that. That was like they that was the that was the early onset of ramen noodles. Like ramen noodles, what they just came out. Like that was and then, oodles and oodles and noodles. Dog. Oodles and noodles is what we called it. But then the thing about it was like we were around when nuggets, chicken nuggets came out. Like like <laughs> you gotta realize that was a thing that came out while we were young. <laughs> we, yo yo yo. I mean we. Hey man, we we we've been in a really nice. Um, period of human history. Absolutely. When you think about it, I mean, remember the Atari 2600? Yes, absolutely. You know, Donkey Kong, Popeye. All I remember, I remember the arcade. That whole arc, Malibu. Yes. Going out to Malibu. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, I mean, remember when Dragon's Lair came out? The, we the thought that was the, the best thing ever. That, I mean, the cartoon, I mean, it was crazy. So, you know, just all of those. Um, I mean, we, we saw all that. I mean, we were there for Thriller. <laughs> we were there for every, ET. every hour on the uh, every hour on the hour on MTV. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, when the first Batman came out. I mean, like that was during high school. So, it, yeah. you know, it was quite the uh, quite the time. But yeah, during our youth, like when we were like that young, you know, there was a lot of. Um, you know, Camden was a happy place for us. You know, for us, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know about how, like, it, it wasn't until I went to college in New York that I started, I mean, ever hearing that Camden was like, oh, Camden or did it? Like, it never even dawned upon me. I didn't really talk about Camden that much in high school, but. You know, it wasn't until later that this whole thing about Camden being this or that, you know, oh, oh man, you made it out of there. Like that, that kind of like stuff right. that I would hear right. from, you know, certain people, yeah. you know, I would be like, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, because I guess that's just one of the, if you want to call it a perk of, of being black, is right. that, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not up in the target kind of space we don't really feel that way you know we we're from there we people are afraid of us not the other way around you know absolutely so like absolutely some yeah. other kind of you know 
I don't know. I don't know. But I have I have good I have good memories of Camden. Like I have good memories of of uh, being from Parkside and 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 that whole area where we lived and walking to Crazy Discount or going to right. Church's Chicken or going to Ali's Barbershop. Shop. Yeah, right, right. going to Lori's Tapes and Records to buy my first Fat Boys album. Like. Like all of those, yeah, all of those things like you know resonate with me. Forest Hill Elementary School, you know what I mean, and and yeah. those, those things, you know, and how many times I had to walk up and down the street and go down to Wildwood Avenue to my grandmother's house and walk all the way back. I mean, how many times did I make that trip in a day? Maybe ten. You know what I mean? It was just like go around there and tell and get mm -hmm. and get some margarine from Nana. I'm like, <laughs> damn. All that, all that. Yeah. You know, government cheese, government milk. Right, you know what I'm saying. Right, and now you had a you had your your grandfather uh, was right. a dentist, right? Yep, yep. And he, and he lived over off of uh, was that Park. across from Canada High School? Can't cross from Canada High School. I remember that. See, see, all of those things starting to come back. I remember, I remember us going to a birthday party for Lamont. Lamont lived across the street from Forest Hill, and we went to so like Lamont. Oh yeah, he used to. That's right. Yeah. We he went to, to a Burger to. King birthday party. I remember, like, I remember, like, it's yeah, that's right. We I used remember. to play karate. Right. We, we and I used to play karate and every, 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 every day. And I remember That's George. Cool. I remember George Hegeman. Like, it didn't. I didn't know that was our George Hegeman that played for the Cowboys until somebody told me. I did not know. It never. It never clicked for me. Right. Like, right. I mean, we, we always called him Big George. Like Big George was like just somebody I would go. I would go to his house. We would play on the weekends or whatever. We was in the same class, stuff like that. And somebody was like, "Yeah, George Hagen from Camden, New Jersey." And I'm like, "Yeah, I knew a George Hagen from Camden, New Jersey." And they like, like that's the Big George. I'm like, it can't be Big George because we the same age. And I'm like, yeah, I would be old enough to play football, dumb dumb. You know what I mean? It's like, right, <laughs> it, right, didn't, right, like right. It, didn't, it didn't add up. You understand know what I'm saying? So it was just right, like, right, right. things, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna get him on the podcast one. Day too, yeah. <laughs> he, melt, he melted. He melted down, and um, I think he melted down in fifth grade in front of us. Actually, yeah, he melted down. He, he, he had, you know, he got some kind of trouble, and then uh, I think Miss Penny was like, "Well, I'm going to go get um, Mister Whoever." The, it was like an older white guy that was um, the principal, or something like that. And he was like, "Go get him!" Yeah, go, go get him. <laughs> everybody was like, "Wow!" We never Some people gotta understand how how Miss Pinnock was, man. Like she was the teacher nobody wanted, but I think, boy. The, I think it was the teacher boy. that everybody. I think she was the teacher everybody needed. Oh, um, everybody yeah. was little boy. She called all the all the guy all the boys little boy. Like you she hear called, me, little boy. She called him fool boy too. It's like fool, fool boy. boy. Yeah. Don't you touch! <laughs> don't you touch boy. my umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so I mean, like all all of that is just good memories, man. Stuff like that. Um. So let me let me talk to you about um, music. And um, after you finished high school and you went to college, um, and and you went to college for music as well. Um, yep. what was that experience like? And and it was in New York. So was yeah, it, I went to the conservatory. Yeah. Okay, so it was like Manhattan or? Yep, Manhattan School of Music. Oh, okay, Manhattan School of Music. Okay, so how is that? Like, how is school for music? Like, what is that like? Is it is it performances on the weekend, school during the day? Are you are you are you doing two things at once? Are you still getting paid? You know, you doing paid gigs and you're in school at the same time. Like, what's going on with that? <sighs> music school is basically like 
that TV show Fame. Oh yeah, okay. That's what it is. You pretty much live and breathe music. Mm-hmm. Your non-music academic load is really light. Okay. So you don't do any math. You you do studies of like philosophy and poetry. Okay. Those are your humanities, they call them. Right. Electives. And that's it as far as anything that's non-music. It's just like the humanities. Um, society, you're reading Aristotle, Pluto. You're discussing ethics. You're discussing the history of poetry and going through all that stuff. That's pretty much what that is besides music. Then when it comes to music, you've got your primary teacher. That's your lesson. Then you have different combo classes where you're learning how to play with other people. And then you have big bands. There's the A band, the B band, C band. So it's like, you know, the different large orchestra kind of situations, band, big bands, where you're playing those kinds of charts. And then you have other classes like music business class or sight reading or classes on electronic music and stuff like that. Right. So pretty much, and then you've got like music history class. Now, the thing about it is that at Manhattan School of Music, you're also studying alongside the classical music department because see, jazz wasn't even taught in college because it wasn't respected enough until like, like maybe late 50s. Okay. And so then, so it was sort of a, a new kind of a thing. But either way, these conservatories are primarily classical music conservatories. So you're alongside maestro violinists, virtuosos that are studying Paganini, and you get to hear the orchestra with the timpanis and yeah. the big drums sounding like a movie score, sounding like Jaws. Right, warming up and practicing Beethoven and stuff like that. You're running across tons of Russians and Asians who have come over to study there because it's a big school, a right. very well-esteemed school. It, 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 at that time, it was competing with Juilliard. Now, at this point in time, Juilliard has a jazz program, but at the time when I went to college, Juilliard did not have a jazz program. Um, so you are either going to Juilliard or Manhattan School of Music for your classical studies. Some of the classical teachers taught at both, but they were competing schools at at a certain sort of level. The difference, and a difference that I grew to mourn, Uh was that Juilliard had an acting and ballet program. Wow, yeah. So it was some unbelievable... uh, ladies that yeah I get, I get it to that school <laughs> you know what i'm saying so that was a completely different experience but also there was that also led to act you know those people people like val kilmore or keith david like some major actors right were also studying there too so you didn't get a chance to form relationships and friendships with people 
that actually kind of went on into another aspect of the business. So that could be a problem. Um, either way, though, Manhattan School of Music had a big opera program. So there was still like that aspect, that romantic aspect that was available in high school or in, um, in the conservatory, which is important just in terms of, the, the, you know, just to have a well-rounded artistic experience and just kind of, you know, you got to, you can't play about romance until you've experienced romance. So much of art and poetry deals with the tragedies and the, the hopes and the aspirations and all that stuff. And some of those feelings are powerful during your college years. And so there was a lot of that kind of intermingling too. And, you know, all the different things that happen, you know, as you mature in, in that fashion and start to ponder things in that fashion and, you know, during that time and stuff and, and go through things. That said, me, I had received a full scholarship to go there because I was coming with classical piano technique that was unusual for the jazz department. Right. I had a, a lot more technique than anybody because a lot of the people that were there for jazz they had been studying jazz for longer than me and more intensely than me. The thing about it is that a lot of jazz, especially jazz piano, does not require a lot of virtuoso technique. So I wasn't as good as they were in improvisation. Right. But I was way better than them when it came to classical piano execution. So let me let me let me stop yeah. for a second because I wanna I wanna I wanna level set this for my audience, right? Word. So jazz and what you just explained to me and how I'll be able to pick that up is I'm a stand-up. And if I'm standing on stage, I am telling my jokes based off a premise, a setup, a premise, a setup, and a punchline. Jazz is the improv. That's someone that's very good at crowd work. Somebody that can actually just take a situation and make it funny without any process of the joke structure. It's like, nah, this is organic. I'm going to make this happen, but I'm going to make it sound just as good as somebody that sat there and wrote this joke out for a year. And the thing that I, I found out later about jazz is, and I appreciate it because I haven't watched videos of you you guys can get together and vibe and that can sound 10 times better than somebody that practiced for a performance for three weeks. And I just, I always thought that was amazing. You know what I mean? Just kind of playing right. off each other. You know what I mean? And um, so that was, that was good, but continue your point. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it was, it was <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Well, yeah, no, I, I thought it was very cool that you um, home zeroed in on that demarcation line because that's very important and let's talk a little bit more about it yeah because that was one of the big shockers for me uh-huh i planned out everything right for my audition at manhattan school of music right now when i auditioned at a place called the new school of music one of the competing schools that was not really a classical school at all it was primarily a jazz school when I went to the audition, they went completely off script. 
people running it. Okay. The administrators running it. And so I was like sounding terrible. Right. Because I hadn't rehearsed it. I was not a great improviser. Right. Because my training was in recreating or building stuff. Uh, plus, I lived in Camden. Now, all the kids that could play lived in Philly. Yeah. And they could hang out. And they also went to this school called University of the Arts. That's where yeah. Boys the Men and the Roots and everybody else went. Right, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> me, and Questlove, me and Questlove knew each other and would play together at Settlement Music School. Also, this guy, Little John, Christian Bride. That's but dope, they all, man. Yeah, so we knew each other from them. Right. But they all lived in Philly. Right. So... I never was able to hang out with them and be a part of their adventures. Right. So it was just me, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, over <laughs> in Camden. And so that dynamic played out a lot, which is yeah. why I ended up being this lone wolf right. over right. time. Right. Because I wasn't quite, I was that outsider. Right. That became a whole thing over right. the years. Yeah, yeah. So that became a whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, but since I was not playing with kids all the time, I did not develop those skills. So, so you talk like social skills and stuff like that, or and also improvisational skills. Right. I I got I got, so, I got it. Yeah, yeah. So then, when I went to college, I managed basically to to trick. Manhattan School of Music into thinking that I was this master improviser because they set out a, a particular program of what they were required for you in your audition. So I totally constructed all kinds of stuff to satisfy that requirement. Right. And when I went in there, maybe they were listening to me thinking that I'm improvising, but I wasn't. Wow. So then, you know, I got all this stuff. And then once I was in, you know, I got this big scholarship. Once I was in, and then we had placement trials to see, okay, we're going to figure out what combos you get placed in. That's when the truth came out. <laughs> they, they saw this guy can't improvise. <laughs> but I had already gotten the contract. You know right. what I'm saying? Fortunately, I went through some experiences, and at one point, I got humiliated. And then I when I got humiliated, I was like, okay, now yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm real mad. I'm real mad. Yeah. Now I'm I'm going to learn how to improvise. And I'm going to be a, a, some sort of monster. And so, from so the, so the parallel with that is that's comedy bombing on stage. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And that makes you stronger. Like I'm going to be a beast the next time I get up there. Or I'm mad. Or this next audience has got to pay for what just happened. You understand what I'm saying? So, this one like, and this one didn't happen in front of the audience. This one happened. We were in a practice room. Okay. And it was me and, you know, some of the more advanced kids that I was hanging out with. Right. I wanted to hang out with the best ones. And then a couple of future recording artist stars happened to visit. They were young badasses. Right. That were visiting. And they came and they were playing. And I was trying to keep up with them, but I made some mistakes. Yeah. And then they were like, yo, just to stop. Like, they, they, they vibed me. Right. But 
I couldn't really say anything because I was also off. But then it was kind of humiliating the way they vibed me. Mm -hmm. Like, you should just shut up, dog. Like, you suck, man. Like, but it wasn't, they didn't even say that, though. It was just, just that, I was, the way was they so were dismissive. Yeah. It was so dismissive. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't say anything about it. And that particular moment, that was my first semester before Christmas break, something crossed over in me. And since that day, it is, I still pull from that moment. Yeah. Something crossed over and I said, to, you know, that's, that is when practicing four hours a day turned into practicing seven hours a day. Jeez Louise. That's when that happened. Yeah. It went from four hours. It went from my mom. It went from my mom um, reminding me to practice to my mom starting to catch feelings because she had lost her child because now all I do is practice. Right. And she yeah. can't even talk to me anymore. Right. She's like a go I'm like I'm like a phantom in the house because all I do is practice. Because right. I was like, when I come back off of this Thanksgiving break, this Christmas break, you're going to know, all of y'all are going to know that there's a monster among you. Yeah. And that's what happened right there. There's been a couple of moments in life where I felt that kind of emotional humiliation. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, you know what? You got me. I don't know this, and you just clowned me and hurt me over this. So guess what? You better make sure you know whatever that stuff is that I don't know. Right. You better make sure you really know it. Because <laughs> I'm about to learn it. Right, right. I'm going to learn it so ridiculous and brutal and cold. Right. That if I find out. Right. That you don't know it as well as you acted like you did when you clown me, hell to pay. Right, right. Because you're going to get sunned on that. Yeah. And that has been the angle, the Ivan the Terrible type of move. You know, right. oh, I got to, you, you killed my whole family and then you left me to be, I was a prince, now I'm a beggar in the street. But right. you left me alive? Okay. Right. I'm going to come back. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. That's that's a man, listen, man. That's a that's a dope story, man. To be like just the way you placed it, like you put me in that situation, and I I can relate it to so many different things. But you never know what's going to motivate a person, and maybe that needed to happen because maybe you wasn't even focused enough or disciplined enough, and you thought what you had in your classical training that you were you were the hot shit. You would always get patted on the back. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's like a cat that that's been in organized basketball his whole life, and then he goes to go to the rucker to play street ball, and then realizes it's a whole nother element out here of players that you ain't never been around. You know what I mean? And it's like, yep. all right, now I can't play at the rucker, but I can play at the gym. You know what I mean? And it's like two different things. You know what I mean? So believe me, that's going that's going to resonate with a whole lot of people. You know what I mean? And also, you face you face you face something very special. I, I, what I noticed that I had to face, and to this day, uh -huh. it, it always sits before me. It's a question of, do you actually love it? Yeah. 
because it's like, okay, you have a choice. This hurts. Now, if you intellectually realize that you don't know something, so if I, I'm speak, if I intellectually notice that I actually don't know this thing, uh-huh. there's a fork in the road. I can continue on acting like I don't know that I don't know. <laughs> right. Or I can get with, okay, apparently I don't know this thing. Apparently I'm still doing it wrong and I haven't figured it out. Now, how do I want to do this? Do I want to actually figure this thing out? I mean, it's been so much struggle to get to this point. And I still don't know this thing. That's humiliating. Do I actually want to figure it out? Do I actually love this thing enough to figure this thing out? Right. No matter what. Or am I willing to just say, you know what? I guess I don't know whatever that is. What I have, though, is real dope. And so I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, maybe somebody else will get it. Whatever. It's all good. I got plenty. I'm good. You know, what, me personally, something crossed over me so long ago that caused my whole life to be basically worthless somehow if I don't do this thing, if I don't get it. Because I feel as though so much has been trusted in me. Uh-huh. You know, the masters right. have trusted in me. Right. You know, there's plenty of people that didn't have the opportunities that I've had. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, for them, it's a little bit different. But for me, I've had the great masters of my art form spend all these hours and time and tears and secrets and tell these stories and trusting me and I've trusted them and the confidence is in the secrets and those stories, those energies, all that stuff. There's sort of this sort of promise that they right. trusted me with. Right. Like I, it's almost as if somehow I promised them that I would get it. Right. You got to pass it along. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. <clears throat> and, and a lot of people just don't know, like, you know, people, some people, they can look up <clears throat> online and see what you've accomplished or things you've done. How many albums do you have right now? Of my own? Yeah. See, one, two, one, two, three, four, five. I think I've got five albums right. of my own. And then right. I've appeared on... A, a bunch of other albums. Now, I did six. Right. I, now, I did. Is the Republic the last one you did? No, the last album that I did, my most recent album, is a thing called Cubism. It's the Dude, music. I, okay, I did see. Okay, I saw that. Okay, I did. I, I I got the I got the the one before that. Yeah, Andrew the Republic. That was my big return to right. jazz. After now, that's right. a whole other thing. Yeah, I had a big conflict with the community, and uh -huh. I went to rock music and made a big made Elu this my big name for myself. Right. And then it's like okay. Now that I have your attention, now that I demonstrated, you know, I don't have to like 
play your games. I can go all up above all y'all heads and like clown you if I have to and, and get real to the real to the real bling. Right now, let me get back to my first love and to the tradition. Since we had to have a business conversation for a second. Right. Now that we had the business conversation, we clear the gangster stuff. Now my gun is on the table. Now we can get oh, we can be we can play nice now. We can have nice things again. Oh, okay. Oh, right. okay. Right. Okay. So then now we can do Anti the Republic. I'm back. Right. Cool. And you now the thing about it is I remember I remember you getting on uh, America's Got Talent, and I know right. like all of that. It was like that's like a you know it's it's to introduce yourself to the world, people that don't know about you. But when I saw you <laughs> reach into the piano right. and play the strings of the piano, I'm like, what in that? Like I know you didn't learn that on on Bear Boulevard. Like I'm like, what what possessed you to even say this is possible? Like let me do this. There's couple answers to that so the first thing is that so going inside the piano itself yeah is nothing new in the sense that classical musicians have a term that's called prepared piano okay so most of your classical piano music is takes place on the keys beethoven bach chopin brahms Liszt, all that stuff mozart so there's that okay now, later on, like in the 50s and 60s, classical musicians became interested in experiments. They started experimenting with dissonance and sounds that aren't pleasant. Right. And then you also got the rise of film scoring. And so as the films had dark elements or different things happening, people started looking for different sounds to put to those moments. And right. so then that's when you start approaching the piano you can go inside of it you can find all kind of sounds that are perfect for a horror movie you right can find all kind of sounds that are perfect for a mystery moment or ghost or whatever anyway that stuff was something that's just an area of study now me being a hardcore technician i yep. wanted to make myself aware of all the possibilities of the instrument so that's one piece of the puzzle Another piece of the puzzle is when I was touring the world with Wynton Marcellus, jazz trumpeter, uh -huh. he and other people would have these different items like plungers that they would stick inside their trumpets and stuff to get these kinds of sounds like wah, 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 right. Like right, stuff right. like that. Right. They would do that. So then it made me want to figure out, are there effects that I could do on the piano besides just playing the keys so that I could get cool sounds too the problem yeah. was that every time that i would go inside the piano the only thing that sounded usable was sort of like a banjo kind of sound and and or maybe like a, a marimba kind of sound everything else was like real metallic and real uh, aggressive sounding and basically it would just not match the mood of jazz yeah so it would be a problem so then there's that piece, right? So then finally, when I got sick of the fact that I won the biggest competition in jazz called the Thelonious Monk International Piano Competition, but because my personality had formed from that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of place from Camden, isolated, because my personality had formed a certain way, I did not have an understanding 
poor relationship with A&R people. Right. And so then because of that and because of my relationships with some musicians and stuff, you know, I was this crazy guy or whatever. I didn't get a record deal when normally you get a record deal when you win an international major competition. Right. So I felt super betrayed. Right. So then maybe a couple of years later, I left jazz altogether to try to find some other kind of thing because I'm like, I'm turning 30 years old. There's no young lion jazz record deal for me. So I got to like do some business here because I'm not going to be some 85 year old that these dumbass jazz magazines are going to be like, Oh yeah. Well, oh yeah. Eric. Oh yeah. He's a, he's a, a good player. Yeah. Whatever happened to him. And you know, like I wasn't like, nah, nah, you're not right. going to clown me. I'm not going to get played like that. You know, you will know. Right. That I am the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like some Paul Fiction. <laughs> kind of Paul you know Fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I was coming on that. Right. So you will know. So then <laughs> there was this little Jewish lady that ended up teaming up with me. She was a PR person. And between her and I, you know, I quit the jazz game altogether uh -huh. and, you know, just started trying to figure out. So now what do I do? I've made an enemy now of the jazz world. But what I'm not a singer though, yeah. So, and the music that I know how to play is kind of abstract, right? So, what do I do here, right? Right. But so I started reading the Art of War and like wow, biographies of Navy SEALs, and yeah. I said, I am going to go to war here and figure this out, right? And sure enough, and I brought, and then there's just one book that changed everything, it's called. The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. That's okay. the book. Okay. That book, The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. Okay. I read that book and I applied, literally applied some of the rules that are in that book. That's the book of secrets. I applied a couple of the rules in that book. It was hard, but I, I, I you know, went at it and came up with elu right and then from there started to build on that and so then now here's the final puzzle piece on the inside of the piano i had to tell you all that because during that transition mm -hmm. i played at this private school like a master class at this like private school this prep school yeah there's a bunch of white kids and at like the welcome luncheon after I performed, they were talking to me, asking me questions. And then I said, well, man, you know, I'm just trying to like find, I, I feel this intense stuff inside. And I'm just trying to like find a way to do it on piano. I can't figure it out. And this one preppy, clean cut, you know, golden boy looking blonde kid. Right. He's like, you should check out Lincoln Park. And I'm like, what's Lincoln Park? Right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, just check check out Lincoln Park, man. I'm like, well, is it like rock? Is it like intense though? Because, you know, prior to that, there were guys that were getting record deals and doing like rock covers in jazz, but they made it sound like a museum art piece. There was right. no intensity about it to me. Right. And so I was like, is that what rock is? Because I don't listen to rock. So I'm like, is that what rock is? I'm like, this sounds like lame. I don't know, whatever. Right. But then the kid, so when the kid said, you should check out Lincoln, he's like, it's a rock band. I'm like, rock? Well, I don't know, is it intense though? He's like, Lincoln Park. So I went back 
to New York. This right. is in like in Ohio where this happened. I went back to New York. Tower Records was still open at the time. Right. And I bought my first rock record, Lincoln okay. Park Meteora. Okay. Lincoln Park Meteora. I put that on, and it was like it like blew me out of my chair, and I was right. like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Because I was able to hear in the music. Oh, wait a minute. They're trying to do, they're playing, they're reaching for the same fire that yes. Coltrane and Elvin Jones and then reached for, but their dialect is just different. Right. They're, the way they're going about it is different, but they're reaching for that same intensity. Uh-huh. But they also had lyrics. Now, okay. in the, so the point is that the sounds and the intensities, suddenly I was like, wait a minute. Because I started listening to some of their darker stuff, and then I started listening to even other darker, heavier metal bands like Metallica, right. and then even even heavier ones, deep dark metal, Marilyn Manson. Like, well, all the, I just listened to all of it, uh -huh. you know. And then suddenly I started noticing, hey, that sounds like what does that sound like? That sounds like that stuff inside the piano that I could never use in jazz. Those intense dark sounds, and then I was like. I found it. Yeah. I found the weak spot. I right. found the little scale that's missing from the dragon's heart. And right. I got the bow and arrow. I'm going to shoot the arrow right into that one missing scale and kill this dragon. Right. And sure enough, I Googled Elu. There was no Elus out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I looked up, you know, the branding book says you got to name what you do. I, look, I created the name Rock Jazz. Rock Jazz, yeah. I looked up. Rock jazz, there was jazz rock, but there was not rock jazz. Rock jazz. Uh -huh. I was like, okay, I yeah. found the hole. And so, boom, I had my PR person nail down Elu. We started nailing down rock jazz. Now I got my foundation. Right. Boom, started building upon it. And started, and these tunes, rock tunes, to try to play the rock tunes, like Smells Like Teen Spirit, and these tunes, not in the lullaby way, right. but in the direct, blunt way, right. that hadn't really been done. And so then I was like, and, you know, I used to, people used to be mad about Kenny G because he was a white guy playing black music and making all this money. So I was like, well, shoot, I'm not about, I'm not about making enemies no more. I'm trying to be friends. Right. I'm not about dismissing pop culture. I'm about being friends with pop culture. So let me do it in reverse. Reverse. Absolutely. Black dude. So, and <laughs> right. And so I started playing rock. Right, right. And right. then as I kept building, I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, then that gets into stuff like, you know, why did I put armor on and start standing? That was all part of the branding. That's all coming from that book of secrets I told you. And that's, that and was that, all part and of that, that stuff stands out, man. Um, and I've seen like all the people that you've been able to rub elbows with. And dude, I'm in amazement. I'm like, yo, this dude is standing next to like he met Obama, this dude. Will Smith is doing speeches about him. Like, I'm sitting there wilding out. I'm like, yo, this right. is crazy. You know what I mean? So it's like, so yeah. it's, it's like, it's amazing, man. Like, like who, like, who did you meet that just blew your mind? Like, I, like you from an early age, man, I seen you had a picture with James Baldwin, dude. I'm like, yeah. yo, this is crazy. So I mean, crazy. like you, like you've been in rooms with people that I could not imagine. I mean, there are questions that people ask people say, hey, who would you like to have dinner with dead or alive? And you can actually name people that people that's on some people's list. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's, sure. that's amazing to me, dude. 
Yeah, man. A, a lot of people, man. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people. Yeah. So who, so who, who, who were you shocked to meet or who was like, like that moment you go, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, <laughs> it's too many to name. <laughs> it's, it's not too many to name. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's, it's just a lot of people. I mean, right. But I mean, I, I've had various experiences and not all of them. I got photographs with, I mean, right. the, the ones that I have photographs with is, is crazy enough. Right. There's ones that I didn't get photographs with, but first of all, let me say this. Uh-huh. That picture with me and James Baldwin is like crazy. It is. When I was a little kid. So that was, that's, um, my grandfather was friends with James Baldwin. Yeah. Right. So that's, they, they knew each other, you know, so that's how that kind of played out. That's how kind of how that shot happened. I was at the Walt Whitman Poetry Society out in, in, in Camden. But anyway, what happened with the photographs is that my mother started dating this brother in Philadelphia who was a photographer. Uh -huh. And he got her into taking pictures. Yeah. Because he even got a story written up on him in Philadelphia. It was called, Who's That with Gary? <laughs> His name was Gary. <laughs> and he, would, he was the only photographer that would take pictures of himself with the celebrity. That's funny, man. <laughs> it was a trip. But that's where that came from. Yeah. We went on a show. We got all kind of cameras. And, you know, that's how the photo documentation started picking up, you know, in, in, at that point. So it, during, it wasn't during the James Baldwin period. That's just a luck shot right there. Right, right. But right. Um, in, during my, you know, like 14, 15, you know, up in that period, that's, that was all by design. Yeah. So then, and it just stuck. And yeah. so then, um, I mean, Mandela, but that oh. picture didn't come out crazily yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, but let's see. In the recent, I, I remember when um, I sort of kind of blew up and became, you know, familiar, like the Hollywood scene first became familiar with me. Yeah. So that that was kind of a head rush because I was like, damn, you know, this is Donna Karen. Okay. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or, you know, she flew me out to L.A. And it's like, that's Calvin Klein sitting right there. Yeah. Like, what's up? You yeah. know? Like, that was the year Hugh Jackman hosted the Oscars. Yeah. So I went to this Oscar party. She brought me to, this, to play at this Oscar party at this big producer's house, and everybody came through. That was the night that I met Leonardo DiCaprio and that's Toby crazy. McGuire. I'm like, this is Spider-Man here, and that's Romeo right. and Titanic here. <laughs> it, it was real. And, and then when I was starting to do gigs, right, um, and these stars would come out, but a lot of that in you know, again, a lot of it ended up being tactical because none of that was going on when I first left jazz. Yeah. Right. When I, up to the point that I left jazz, I had a lot of pictures with the jazz greats. Right. So I've got some rarities like Billy Eckstein and, you know, Max Roach and people like that, Mill Tenton and all these kinds of people. But when I hit this point of depression where it's like, man, nobody really, this is like, has no value to these fools apparently i don't really have value i'm just another piano player to these mofos right but that's not how i kind of feel about myself you know i've got bigger ambitions than this 
And so then that's when I dipped. And during that dip period, when I was reading The Art of War and these yeah. real blunt books about, right. you know, if you want to take a block, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to like take a territory. Now you're ready to talk to us. Yeah. Now you're about to find out something about how human nature works. And you're about to find out about how you have to move people out your way if you might necessarily need to and stuff like that. So right. I started reading, you know, all those energies and stuff like that, figuring out where does that fit? Plus I was an avid chess player. So, you know, I was playing chess. I learned chess from the street hustlers. That was a whole other thing that I got into. We're going to have to play a game one day. Okay. Yeah. But point is that um, it became a whole tactical thing for me at a certain point to meet and position myself yeah. to meet these celebrities. Yeah. Because at a certain point, you know, Nancy, my manager at the time, and I would, you know, we'd be trying stuff and nothing was working. We weren't getting any traction for me. Yeah. And so we would take these long drives and just kind of like spitball ideas. And one night we were just driving down this lonely ass road, highway somewhere in New Jersey, just, you know, just kind of like hitting zero, you know, just kind of flamed out, you know, can't really figure anything out. Yeah. And then, it, and then it dawned upon me. I said, Nancy, it's social. That's what it is. It's social. It dawned upon me. Uh -huh. That's what I told her. Okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, give me that kid's number. She was friends with the mother of this actor who had just, just done a Bruce Willis movie. Right. And they had come, he and his co-star buddy had just come to one of my shows out in California. And they were kind of, one, the, the, his, his buddy was kind of nerding out on me a little bit. Yeah. But I thought he was like, you know, you know I, was just, I wasn't super excited, you know, but then I realized, wait a minute, this is my problem. I'm sleeping on where the value is here. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I said, I told her, give me his number, that kid. And then I started making friends with yeah. him. Yeah. And next thing you know, when I turned, you know, when we ended up, we, we ended up getting me a, a, an endorsement with Yamaha pianos. Yeah. What that, and that was the other big thing, what that enabled was me to have a piano put anywhere I wanted. Yeah. Now, Nancy, the thing about her, she wasn't a manager. She was a PR person. Right. She understood press, media. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I needed. I didn't need somebody to babysit me. Yeah. I needed somebody to school me and to get me some exposure. Right. Who understood the game. Right. So that people could hear my talent because jazz kept me buried. They right. weren't showcasing. They wasn't showcasing. Yeah, they were. They were. They were keeping you down and pushing other people up. And we 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 get that in the comedy game all the time. Sure. Like we're, it's not the funniest person that's that's being pumped up. It's it's the guy they feel like is hot at the time. So it's, it's the, it's the and, and it's worse than that, dog. It hot might not even have anything to do with it. Yeah, some of it has to do with who they're pushing. Yeah, and the, and, and making the and making the audience. They, they, they're like forcing the audience 
to call that hot. Absolutely. And yeah, so and so let's 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 talk about let's and talk, if but, you're the truth, and yeah. if you're the truth, then it's a whole thing of you're threatening what they've called hotness and what Absolutely. they're no, we, we on the same it's parallel. Same parallel, and they're not gonna let it let it be seen. And and that's funny, you, you mentioned Quest Love earlier. It's like one line I always use from the song Star that they did on the Tipping Point album. And uh Black Thought has a line where he goes, We live a time where hot shit is few and far between, we lose the sense of what garbage mean. So it's kind of like, you know, you think Word. about it for a second, we don't even know what's garbage because they say everything is hot. And you're like, dude, that's not even hot. You know what I mean? So it's like, you you got to realize, but cream always going to rise to the top. It's always going to rise to the top, whether you want to believe it or not. You see what I'm saying? So when I see the things that you've done, like, like and it, it, even the marketable things, like the NASCAR one sure. or – or the, the, the Sweet Home Alabama documentary. And then you playing Sweet Home Alabama standing up at the piano, and I'm, I'm looking at the documentary like, oh, and I'm like, is that Ricky? And they're like, I'm yelling. <laughs> and then like, and I go, wait a minute, let me see that again. And I'm rewinding it, and I'm like, yo, that's all. I went to school with them. And they're like, man, no. I was like, dude, that dude was across from me again. And they're like, nah. I'm like, it is him. And you know, I'm looking at like three different times. And I was like, yo, that is him. You know what I mean? So that right. was dope to me, yo. That was dope. And it's just like, when I see stuff like that, it's just always like, Boom, like, yo, this is from here to here. You know what I mean? And it's just and this is what I'm trying to, it, oh, dog, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's exciting for you of all people for me to be able to share it because we were there from way back, the way absolutely, back. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and you, you know, we still have that special comic connection. And the right. thing about it, dog, though, what, but, but this is what I'm trying to say, though, is that what was so important was to, for me to read some of those books because here's the key word here. It's a, it's a, it's a, a science word. It's called habituation. Mm -hmm. And what it, ref, what it refers to is how you can hear a tick-tock, tick-tock, and then you're hearing it and it's distracting you. Then eventually it goes into your background noise filter. You've habituated it. It's part of the habitat. You've habituated it. If someone then tells you, oh, yeah, that's a bomb that's about to go off, suddenly that TikTok gets back into the yeah. part of your mind. So similarly, when I first came up with Elu, everybody knew me as Eric Lewis. And they're like, Elu, that's like, what? that sounds weird. And here's the thing. The average person doesn't understand the principle of habituation. Right. It's a weapon. It's a tool. Right. Like we just said how they will cause you to feel as though garbage is hot. They're using habituation. They keep hitting you with it. You're first like, this is garbage, but then they just keep hitting you with it. And eventually you're like, all right, I'm just going to listen you know, because it's out there and, you know, I'll find some way to get into it. And then pretty soon you're kind of finding a way to get into it. Right. This is the same experiment. If you put a TV on a channel that has just static, if someone tells you, can you hear happy birthday in there? It's in there. If you listen hard enough and long enough, you will start hearing happy birthday in there. <laughs> and there's no happy birthday in there. Right. 
That's dope. That's, that's, a, that's a deep, that's a deep um, analogy. You, I'm going to utilize that somehow, dude. That is a deep, deep analogy. That makes total sense. And this is the game because if you, but if you don't know this piece of the puzzle, it could cause you to pull back when you need to press forward. So right. If I, you know, even my manager, everybody was like, or I'm talking about Nancy at the time, Everybody was like, Elu, she's like, do you really want me to put that out there? I remember the first day I said, going forward, all capitals, E-L-E-W, no longer Eric Lewis, Elu. And she's like, are you sure? You know, and she started putting it out like that in emails. And people were like, what is, that sounds like an elevator or something, or, you know, a power company or something. And I was like, Nancy, you got to trust me. This is science. This is, this is, this is bigger people are going to do that. This is yeah. how it works. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing something that goes beyond the surface layer of the topsoil. We're digging down into the foundation, the core. That's, it looks different in the foundation than it does where the chairs are. Right. You know what I'm saying? So people are going to do that. All we have to do is stay with it. When people get used to it now, Look fast forward. Everybody's like, oh, that's Elu. It's Elu. Elu. Yeah, exactly. Elu, it's, Wayne. It's, and Everybody, it's, Elu, Elu. Yeah. You know what I'm it's, saying? It's, it's, and it's funny. It it's funny. It's funny. It's like um, it's just a variation of your name. And it's weird because, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, Eric Lewis. You know, yeah, Elu. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when I came up with Jay Bliss, it was, right. you know, Jay Bliss. And it was like, well, you know, there was other comedians. When I first started, it was Justin Chambliss. And then, like, People are like you, you, you live in Charlotte, or you from Charlotte? People are like, yeah, you know Jay, Jay Bliss, and they're like, nah. And he's like, nah, black dude, man, um, real tall dude. You know, we got twins, and they go, I know a Justin Chambliss, and they're like, nah, it's Jay Bliss, and he's like, he changed his name, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, <laughs> but that's how it works. This is called branding. This is right. this is branding. Right. But the same thing happened with rock jazz, because it was like, if you're gonna try to compete, and in my case, if I was gonna try to compete. The book says that people only remember number one. Yeah. So then, it's, so then after you get depressed about that, it says, but wait, realize the, the hustle in this. Yeah. If you can't be number one at the thing that you do, create something that you can say you're number one at. Right. So when I was like, well, wait a minute, even if I egotistically think I'm the number one pianist. There's no way I could get any kind of traction trying to put out, put myself out there like that. Assuming I actually egotistically was that egotistical, right? Right, right, right. But the answer was no. Follow the rule. So what did I say? No, I am the number one rock jazz pianist. Yeah, though. absolutely, absolutely. And then that's then what happens? You people. They're going to go out and say, oh, he's the number one rock jazz pianist. There's no such thing as rock jazz. <laughs> Just like there's no happy birthday in the damn... In the static, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are games. Yeah, man. Absolutely. But I, I got is, you. But if you, don't, if you don't respect the weaponry, you're going to, get, you're going to be made to respect it. Right. Right. Because this is the weaponry that gets used against. I, I turn on comedy. I'm like, this isn't funny. These guys aren't funny. Why are they celebrities? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. 
but the weaponry that's behind them is what's going on. But you see this in any sci-fi picture. It's just like Independence Day. They're like, I mean, if you get the alien up out of his, you know, suit and his machines and all that, he's just a carbon-based life form like me or you, you know, susceptible right. to anything that we're susceptible to, you know, ain't no thing. The problem is we have to get through their technology. Right. That's the issue. That's the issue. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, even the stuff that we're dealing with today on the whole black-white tip, all that stuff, that goes back. It's, it's real simple. It's called China. They came up with what? Gunpowder. Yep. Once people got gunpowder, we were the last ones to discover it. Yep. And that's a very unfortunate the way that that's, we did. That's a bad way to be the last one to the, to the party with that. You know what I mean? And yeah, it, you're the last one to discover it. You're bringing yeah. you you're bringing the wrong materials to a gunfight. Yeah, you're like I'm seeing holes pop up in my fellow tribes members. It's like not knowing what that shit is. It's like yeah, that that's all this is. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, all the ego, all the bullshit. It's all you just know. You're not superior. You right. just happen to come across this weapon. Yeah, that's, that's all. This is just the backwash. Yeah. all that. Yeah. You can shut up now. Yeah. I can figure it out too. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. You know, okay, you got your hit. So that that that's the attitude that I take upon it. So similarly, when it comes to breaking through with mm -hmm. Elu, I was coming with that concept of no, you know, that's not hot and that's not funny and that's you know, it can be done and all all it, it, it just means that you need to utilize a different set of information. Yeah. Are you ready to check out the books of secrets? Right. Because I didn't learn this in music school and they weren't going to teach it to me in music school. I, I didn't get this from people who I thought were my homies, even my great masters, the great masters, even they were half, they would prefer that I would have just stayed their piano player. But when it came time to say, you know what, I want to eat a little bit more. You know, one I was looking at at the time Kanye, I watched Kanye West coming to being. Right. I remember like looking at him, I was doing a, a playing with Winston Marcellus in Argentina. Uh-huh. And I had a Brooks Brothers suit on with everybody else. Right. Uniform. And, you know, we were playing for an auditorium and everybody's sitting down and we were playing like Dixieland music or swing music. And I was looking out there, I'm just like, you know, this is at the end of a tour. We started in Moscow and going all these different places and ended up in Argentina, Buenos Aires. And I was just like, man, you know, I turn on, you know, the news and here's Kanye West blinging black as hell, talking trash, you know, swag, you know what I'm saying? Right. Having fun, his music's got a beat to it. Everybody is like, oh, you know, all this. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I might have to like turn up or something. Right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I might right. have to turn you're, up. You're looking man. at you're 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 in a space of following tradition and you're saying, why isn't someone doing it differently? Like, why can't we turn this up a notch and do it a different way? You know what I mean? I was looking at that, and I was also yeah. looking at, I was looking at what 
this particular tradition is being shaped into. Right. See, like when you look at like evolution, certain animals form a certain way because of the environmental pressures around them. Right. So right. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, this is being formed into this auditorium kind of thing that's separated from some of the old cats would tell me about when they were playing back in the day. Right. Their clubs up in Harlem was like a hip hop club. Right, right. I mean, you had the under you you had the criminal element up in there. Right. You had the aristocratic black element up in there. Right. You had all that going on. It wasn't kind of yeah. like this. Yeah. There was uh -huh. an element of jazz musician that wished that they could be taken seriously enough to perform at Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Because they were aspiring to show that their music was not just some bullshit, but right. that it was actually technically difficult and could be respected in the same houses of respect like Beethoven and Bach. Right. So they had those desires to be in those performance spaces. And so then there's that stream that's there. Right. Of chasing that. So the Marcellus and that sort of academia world was chasing the respect of the classical music establishment and wanting to do that but the interest but the thing about it was that because of that they split the club up yeah now the other part of the blackness the festivities the diversity and the down to earth and the, the genius of the boxers and you know i mean sugar ray robinson would be hanging out at check out Miles David, like just yeah. the whole thing, that that whole beat, right, moves over into the hip hop, yeah. and that's where all your elements went from the the highest, uh, you know, black aristocracy to the gangsters to the, the fashion models to you know to all that to the athletes, all yeah. of that stuff is happening over there, and then you started seeing the overlap where Drake is talking about. Steph Curry, Chef Curry, or you've got Rick Ross going to the Floyd Mayweather match. Right, right, right. absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, jazz has, in their chase to get this affirmation and verification from the New York Philharmonic, uh -huh. I'm sitting in Argentina looking at everybody sitting down while I'm playing music that imitates the 1930s. And I'm like, maybe I'm in the wrong, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I want to dance. I want to yeah. turn, I want to throw down and party. Yeah. You might be the same, you know, right. you know, I'm turned up, right. you know, so, and, and, and let's not forget the cash, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. let's not forget the money. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the picture and it's like, well, if I stay in this particular posture format i already know that they're just going you know i'm, I'm not going to be able to necessarily explore what i could potentially make yeah people like Kanye, you know they're exploring what they can they're, they're exploring their gifts yeah. that's what queen latifah told me that one time she's talking about you know explore your gifts yeah she's, as she said in an interview but it's just like 
that was the thing to deeply explore, you know, personal gifts and to feel okay doing about it. So, you know, obviously it's long-winded, but I'm just trying to share that energy of... No, I get it. I like get it. Going inside the piano is where we started. Yeah. Going inside the piano and what possessed me to do that right. is the same thing that possessed me to turn my back on their conception of jazz. It, it's what possessed me to reject their rejection. Right. Right. I got you, man. They, they yeah. created they created this monster, basically. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, I got it's like what you Batman. Said. It's, like, it's like in Batman, where Batman said it's a joke. Right. Like, you, you made this. You created this. So. Well, but, 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 you know, um, you're right. Well, first, Batman said it to the Joker, you, you, you know, um, Batman said, he's like, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, kill me. You made me. You made me, right. Got me into that acid, but then Batman said, yeah, he's like, you killed my parents. You made me first. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about that. that and, you know, we can get into that all the time. But this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This has been uh, one of my better podcasts. I uh, definitely had to bring you back on. Um, and we were just going everywhere. I want to be able to come back, bring you back another time. And let's talk more about some road stories, some music stories, and things like yeah. that. And then we'll kind of go into some comics and stuff like that and talk about all those things that happen. So I'll just play, I'll just play like a little something. Here's something chill. Some chill shit, and then yeah. here's another something, another this, this other kind of thing.
but love and thanks for having me much love to you and your career i'm so happy to see you kicking it and doing your thing kicking it like the four horsemen you know how we do you know how we move you know how we get down so that's what's cracking man i, I can't wait to get back with you no doubt man hey i'll talk to you soon man hey stay blessed and i'm gonna bring you back on as a, as a guest soon man much love peace all right peace